You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. Thanks so much for tuning in. The interview subject I have prepared for you is Greg Picciuto. Greg, of course, was the vocalist in Dillinger Escape Plan. He is in Killer Be Killed and also the Black Queen. But the reason for the chat on this episode is because of his solo album, which I believe is the album of 2020, Child Soldier, Creator of God. It is fucking epic for all of the reasons that we discuss throughout the episode. So here he is, the artist behind the album of the year, Mr. Greg Picciuto. But I actually think that you've produced the album of the year here, and I don't issue these comments. Oh, thank you. Um, I, I just can't see how this album is going to be bested uh, this year, I thought Benediction's album might have gone close, but then I heard yours and I thought, okay, that's well, that's it. And look, and the reason I say that is because uh, I like I just had level forty two on this morning for the kids just before they went to school. So for me, oh, I listen, right on. Well, I listen to everything from Morbid Angel in the same day, level, Morbid Angel to to yourself to level forty two. So for me, what you've done here, it's the unified body of work that most artists can only dream of composing. You know, and I got the I got the uh, your Australian agent sent me the singles about a month or two back, and and they hinted at the promise across the rest of the album. But the truth is, the album as a unit is actually better than I anticipated. And look, your Thank you. look your vocal performance, I think, and I've seen a few commentators uh, make this point. And I haven't haven't really noticed it from you in the past, but you've got like an Aussie circa nineteen ninety five characteristic to your voice. But yeah, that's, I've heard that's, it too. It's so weird. I've never. Yes, yeah, it's not something I've, I, you know, well, yeah, it's, I have any particular affinity for. So that's a complete. That's a complete. Like, oh, that's interesting. That's weird. Yeah. But then, when you consider that your typical style is more like Ian MacKay blended with Peter Murphy and Morrissey, that's how I've always considered you. So to hear that, yes, that Aussie uh, aspect of it, I thought was great. You know, I mean, Aussie's a bit of a goon. We know that, but uh, his music is one of the right. reasons that I got into hard rock and heavy metal back in the day, and. I think I think across the album too. So the guitar tone, you, you've picked a glorious guitar tone that just labours under the weight of the melody on the heavier cuts. And I love how you've got the rhythm section because I know you're a bass player, as am I, and I'm a guitarist too, but primarily a bass player. I love how you've got the rhythm section to steer the ship on the heavier cuts. And I think when I was thinking of words to describe it, I mean, ultimately I'll run out of superlatives. I think it's that good. But look, I've been waiting for an artist to step up and to give us a glimpse of the future of whether you want to call it hardcore, punk rock, hard rock, heavy metal, whatever, what it sounds like. And I think you've done it. And because yeah. the, the synth-driven nice. cuts are deep, the hardcore sections will rip your head off. The rock songs have a, have a tremendous groove. And when I asked, I, I did ask Lachlan, I said, look, you know, when, when this comes up, I definitely want to have a chat to Greg about this because I was just so blown away by what, what you've done. So, look, I, I guess I'll, I'll leave it there and I'll say, look, I, look, I hope my comments resonate. And uh, have you got any other, other thoughts about what I've just said? Um, I mean, I, I've, it's, you know, I, I, what we were just talking about, like not people not being able to hold opposing thoughts and not being able to hold opposing views to, for me, you know, artistically, I've never understood, I've never understood genre, like he, he, hearing it, like I've never understood limiting yourself to it. I've never understood, you know, thinking of yourself as a certain type of artist. And it's like, I think about films a lot and I think about, you know, uh, having an artistic fingerprint. And, and to me, the only way to have an artistic fingerprint and to really feel like you is just to, to not 
care about any of that and to think in terms of emotions and not in terms of genre. So when I'm writing, I think in terms of emotion. Like I don't think mm-hmm. when I do like a track that has like heavy guitars and screaming, I don't think, oh, metal or oh, hardcore. Like I'm not a genre fan. Like I'm not a genre fan and I'm not like an idol worshiper. So there's never any time where I think to myself, like I'm trying to write a song that sounds like this or I want to write a song that sounds like that. It's just like you just get out of the way of the thing and you let it go where it's going to go. And like, you know, if, if you need to utilize a tool that, being something aggressive like when i hear fire for water i hear i don't hear metal or hardcore i hear aggression and if i hear mm-hmm. you know another type of thing i hear desperation or i hear you know like, like some other emotion like a, a romantic feeling or a, a depressive feeling i don't hear the album as genres i hear the album as emotions the way you know someone who would make a soundtrack would make or the way and in that way it's like i feel like it's important artistically for you know, we live in this era of hyper genrefication, especially for music, especially because the you know financial bottom fell out of everything. So everyone's obsessed with branding and genrefication, and that's not exciting. Like you're not going to get anywhere by worrying about your brand, worried about your genre, and make, making sure you peg your little niche and just stay in your little niche and you know cling to whatever dollar is fucking coming at you, and make sure you don't piss those dollars off. It's like, that's ultimately not going to be a rewarding for you or, or exciting, and it's going to you know just turn you into it's like. You know, you're going to look like E.T. at the end when he's all gray and fucking about to die. You're going to feel like that, you know? And, yeah. like, that's, uh, to me, like, the, that. I don't ever want that. Like, I'm going to do exactly what I feel regardless of what people think they should expect from me. And that's the only way to feel free. And when I look at artists, like, like a filmmaker, for example, you can't tell me what kind of movie a Quentin Tarantino movie is. You can only explain to me that a Quentin Tarantino movie feels like Quentin Tarantino or that an Alfred Hitchcock movie feels like Alfred Hitchcock or that, a, you know, a fucking Scorsese movie feels like Scorsese or, you know, if you're, if you're talking, you know, a Kubrick movie feels like Kubrick, it's, it's not a genre. Like you can have a movie where that has a, some drama and some comedy and some action and some sadness. And like, it, it can all be the same movie. It doesn't have to just be, but people's, you know, people have a hard time with that because they don't know what to, marketed as so it's like even for me it's like they're going to put my album in the metal category or they're going to put it in the alternative category it's because yeah. you know people need to have these ideas in their head of what something is but you know for me the end goal is for people to be you know to say that this person had a feel and that this person's feel is there in his record and you can hear it and you know something you know in Dillinger you can hear it in the Black Queen or you can hear it like that there's a feel that someone has that they can you can identify with them and that that to me is the know that's the point it's like if you have a strong artistic fingerprint and a strong emotional you know sensitivity it's like then the thing that you put in your hand that's just a tool like your whether it's a bass or a fucking guitar or a pen or a camera or whatever it is like that's mm. the tool to get the piece of your soul out of your body and in front of other people in a way that they can try to understand it to where it's not just this abstract feeling that's inside of you so the tool is unne- is irrelevant the genre is irrelevant all that's fucking relevant is whether what you feel like inside has been communicated. And to me, that goes beyond genre and and limitations. And like those things are directly opposed to that. So I don't, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really think about whether I'm trying to make a, a mark on like a genre or I'm trying to drive like a particular genre forward. I truly only care about whether or not what I just did feels like what I had inside of me that wanted to come out and, and it's that it's that simple really man like i don't i don't think anything more of it than that and if it does then it's, it's a success and if it doesn't then i'm not going to release it yeah yeah gotcha yeah 
You made a lot of good points there. And, and look, I'm only doing this so that people listening will have an idea of how many twists and turns there are across the album when I, when I go through some descriptors here. But to that point, um, Heaven of Stone is, is a short acoustic step. Fire for Water is uh, is a menacing groove rocker in that sense. Deep Set Eyes is, is the heaviest song Peter Murphy never wrote, and I love Bauhaus. And uh, Temporary Object and Fireflies, they're moody and synth-driven. Roach Hiss, which, by the way, is one of the best name songs of this year so far. My, my daughters love oh, the name you. of that. They've been running around hissing like a cockroach ever since I told them you had a... Uh, they, they wanted me to ask you if you had a, a pet cockroach, and I said, no, I, I bet he doesn't. That's all right. Um, but no, look, I don't. <laughs> but look, Roach Hiss, that's a musical cousin too. You talked about Patton before, but uh, Faith No More's uh, Carlo Vodor. Look, I could go on, but the, the point ultimately is, is that you have issued the listener with a seriously challenging list of demands, which is a fantastic thing because this is extraordinarily intelligent music that is designed to challenge the listener. But, you know, I understand this may be a difficult question for you to ask as the creator, but did you commence writing the album with the vast spectrum of sounds in mind that you've compiled together on the album from day one, or did it just evolve like this? Well, yeah, I mean, I think the whole reason that the album happened was, you know, I, I just got done recording the music for the new Killer We Killed record, and I was really still excited to write. Like, I felt like, you know, for me, it's like writing feels like you're like holding in a sneeze or some kind of, it's almost like anxiety. Like, I feel like I have some kind of anxiety, and I can feel, it's like I've, I've been doing this long enough now that I know what that anxiety is. That anxiety is that I've got something coming out of me that's trying to come out of me. So we finished writing the Kill to be Killed record. And because of the nature of that band, you know, where it's not deeply personal and it's not like, you know, uh, you know, that to me, that, that band feels like doing like the Avengers or like a summer blockbuster or something, whereas most of my output feels like being like an indie filmmaker. And like, it wasn't, it's not as personal. So when we got done doing that record, I was all, you know, charged up to, you know, I was, I played so much guitar on it and I sang on it so much. And, you know, I kind of, but, but I didn't feel like I scratched like the personal, uh, itch that, that I still felt in me so I was like okay I need to write like I can, I can tell something else is trying to come out of me and uh when I started writing it was not uh the Black Queen and it wasn't Kill to Be Killed and you know it didn't quite sound like Dillinger Escape Plan and I, I think that you know the first couple things that I wrote were Temporary Object and I want to say Temporary Object and probably I was like fucking Temporary Object and maybe Deep Set we're the first two and when i when i heard those two together i was just like well what the fuck is this like these aren't these definitely aren't anything that i already have and then uh you know i you know i just i just said to myself you know what i'm going to surround myself with tools and i'm not going to um limit myself i'm just going to see what happens when i pick up different tools you know i'm going to have a, you know have an acoustic guitar and a and a bass, and I'm gonna just like you know, keyboard and stance. And I'm not gonna tell myself I'm a guitar player. I'm not gonna tell myself I'm a bass player. I'm not gonna tell myself I don't do this or I can't do that or I need to do this. I'm just gonna see what happens, you know. And uh, and you know, it just started taking all these different turns. And you know, I, I was you know resistant to the idea of it being a solo record at first because you know I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm not really like a hey look at me type of person. So I felt uh, you know a little bit guilty and a little bit like fucking you know kind of shy about being like hey it's me. And, uh, you know, when I finally wrapped my brain around the fact that that's what this is, this is what this is happening. There's nothing you can do about it. Like, just fucking accept it and keep fucking going. Then it was, you know, then it was exciting. And I understood how important it was for me as a as an artist to fucking, you know, create this 
uh, avenue for myself creatively. And then, uh, and then, then I just kind of got out of the way of it and let it keep coming out. And then those 15 songs or then it dried up, you know, and that was it. Like, then I was like, okay, okay, that's it. Like, that's the, yeah. that's the record, you know, let's, uh, let's, and, uh, there's a couple things on there that are, you know, from the past, like down when I'm not is, was written in, you know, the music of that was written in 2010. And then, uh, the beginning of September city, like the first half of September city was from like 2006. And, uh, those are just things that I had that I'd never used that I knew that we're going to, you know, I'd find something for eventually. And when I added those things to the record and they still sounded like me, I was like, Oh, that's, that's cool. You know, it's interesting that something from that long ago can go with, you know, stuff that I wrote this year and it still sounds like me. So that was, uh, that was it, you know, like it just, uh, mm. kind of really, really, uh, you know, for me, everything is just about creating freedom for yourself and creating, creating like yeah. the ability to go somewhere new in the future, you know, and like doing another black queen record right away after kill the kill, that doesn't create anything new for me. Like that's just doing something that I already established. And, you know, so doing this, it's like, okay, I just created new doors for myself and there's so much on the record that I can pivot in any direction now. Like I can fucking, you know, if, if I naturally have a grindcore EP come out of me, it can still be called my, <laughs> it can still be called my name and, and no one will, no one will, you know, and, and it, or, or if I wanted to do some minimal piano record, you know, EP, I could put it out. And I don't think, I think at this point, you know, people are, are like, okay, we don't know. We don't know what the hell is going to happen now. So, and that's a really good position to be in artistically. I, I had a chat to Troy uh, on uh, Monday from Killer Be Killed, so uh, Troy Sanders, of course, and um, I mentioned to him, uh, I, congratulations on Reluctant Hero too, by the way. I mean, you're on, you're on two, you, you, two of the albums that will be in my top five of the year thus far, and I just can't Fucking see how it's going to change. You. you know, I mean, it's just incredible. And I, and I mentioned to him that you just hit such a rich vein of creative form here, and uh, I'm, I'm so looking forward to seeing what, what you come up with next because... My my favorite song on on your solo album here is Down When I'm Not because I'm a huge psychedelic furs fan and mm, uh, it's mm-hmm. sound, it sounds a lot like something Richard Butler might come up with and for me I love that band. Oh, just I saw them like years and years ago down here at um the Coolangatta Hotel and there was about 40 of us in the audience but you wouldn't know and Frank Ferrer was on drums, you know Guns N' Roses drummer was on mm-hmm. drums too and I had a chat to him about it too and uh That's wild just incredible uh, stuff. Yeah, he's done a lot of work with with Richard over the years. But look, I better make this my last question. Oh God, it's these conversations always go by so quickly. I feel like we could talk for hours and not touch the sides. But my, my last question for you, mate, before you got to head to the next interview, is, is there a special story behind Dan? When I'm not, um, I mean, I know what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, I mean, I write like really autobiographically, and like I write like. You know, there's people in my life that know what things are about. And like, I, I feel like the way that I express myself emotionally is, is through, you know, is through art. And like, I don't, uh, when we have, so whenever people ask me like, you know, what's a certain song about or what's, it's like, well, that is what it's about. You know, like it's not, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, um, you know, if, if they're not two specific people in my life or they're not about specific people in my life, they're, they're inspired by certain instances. Like I very, very rarely write purely fictitiously you know even if i think it's not autobiographical i read i read it back later sometimes and i'm like oh yeah this is like an abstract reflection of 
this feeling that I have that this thing in my life caused, you know, so you can always, I feel like if you're writing, honestly, you're kind of always writing autobiographically. So I can't, uh, I can't really, I can't really tell you, a, um, you know, anything about the lyrics, but I will say that musically that song was, I, I you know, I can, I didn't know this at the time, but when, when you hear it, you'll fucking definitely be able to tell. There's two songs that I know for sure, uh, influenced that that i like i said when i was writing it i didn't know it but i listened back and uh flaming lips mountainside if you go mm-hmm. back and listen to flaming lips mountainside and also obviously to uh dinosaur junior feel the pain nice they're for sure both they're both in there like and i didn't notice that at the time and i was like oh okay like yeah and then i think there's some there's a little bit of a my bloody valentine influence in there as well nice. and yeah. maybe some early maybe some early maybe some early smashing pumpkins and the bridge i think maybe mm-hmm. what is is in there but for sure yeah all right mate look i better let you get to the next one but look i'll finish up by saying um you are the artist of 2020 and i don't issue compliments lightly uh you're on these two fantastic albums your, your solo album here has just completely blown me away every year there's a release yeah, that, that comes it out it took so much out of me man so I'm well, glad because it was a fucking massive undertaking. Do, you know, doing doing everything yourself is like holy shit, man! It really takes a lot out of you. Well, you've done it, mate. Congratulations, you've done it. You've 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 done you've you've completed what so many artists aspire to do. And and look, my comments alone, and I've said this a few times on the, on my podcast, but you know, I know Chino tries to do some different stuff, but he's never quite been there. You've done it. Um, and man, thank and I, you. I don't even know how to respond to this, so thank you. Yeah, no, it's oh god. Sometimes I make comments and I might put an artist in a difficult position, but uh, look, I don't mean to do that. It's just that I see things as, as I hear them, and uh, and in your case here, mate, what you've done here is is just an extraordinary accomplishment. And uh, thank you so much for doing it, particularly this year. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, it felt good to do this year. Like it felt, you know, a lot of people are asking me if I'm bummed or something that like. You're like, oh, doesn't it suck to have these two records come out this year? And I'm like, you know what, man? It's like given me so much to do. Like it's given me so much to do, like behind the scenes. Like to, to, to like to, you know, these were both done before the coronavirus hit, so they were done and they were being mixed kind of at the same exact time. They were being mixed in March of this year, and then people think that after that you're just done and you're just sitting around. And it's like, dude, it's been like nonstop work to do, especially my record because it's you know self released and federal prisoner and i'm involved in all the videos and involved in all things so it's like a lot of fucking work and but that work has kept me really really busy and it keeps the record from being just something that i've you know i've finished and then i just ship off to a label and you know everything gets done so it gives me it's given me a lot to, to work on and mm. uh, it makes me feel like you know even though i'm not able to tour and things like that it makes it still feel like it's alive in my day-to-day yeah. instead of just something that i i did and turned in you know and uh but yeah man i appreciate you saying that like it fucking probably worked harder on this than I've ever worked on anything in my life. So, uh, it's, you know, it's nice to hear someone that it resonates with anybody. This, you know, it's fucking, you never know. Oh, big time. Yeah. No, I I know you never know. You're right. You're spot on and you don't know. And and when, when you sort of put these things out there, I don't know, there's these old school Dillinger fans or whatever they might be who expect and anticipate a certain sound. Well, get fucked to be honest with you, because you've here, you're here, you've always had this music in you and mate, just please keep on, you know, I say standing within your own truth and producing the music that you have here. Man, thank you. This is awesome. Thank you, man. Really, really, like, it's kind of picked my whole day up to hear to hear all this. So thanks, brother. Oh, it's my pleasure, mate. All right. Well, uh, look, God bless, and hopefully, mate, uh, we can have a beer when you come down here next post-bloody lockdown. Fuck yeah, man. Sounds good. 
All Hopefully right, we'll see you in 2021. Oh, f- look, fingers crossed, please. I mean, if any, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure you know you're a very popular artist in Australia. So, mate, you know, whenever the opportunity arises, I'd love to see you down here on the stages in Brisbane or the Gold Coast. That'd be great. Awesome, brother. I'll see you there. For sure, mate. No worries. Thanks very much for the chat. Yeah, my friend. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. That interview subject was Greg Picciuto. You probably know him from Dillinger Escape Plan, Killer Be Killed and The Black Queen. However, the reason for the chat today was to talk up the album of the year for 2020 from Greg himself, Child Soldier, Creator of God. Thanks so much for tuning in.